Life Her Podcast. Her is me, her is you. Her is us, her is she, her is we. United we stand, baby, that her for keeps. I'm coming and I demand my space. I know it's free. I owe myself the world. They tried to count me out. I've been down some dark roads. They tried to pound me out. From cloudy to sunny, ain't think that I would make it out. I needed positive emotions to fill me out. Hey, ladies, this is Life Her Podcast where we are here to uplift women and inspire them all over. Sometimes us women find ourselves in this little small place where we need to be more of a butterfly than a caterpillar. So we have here with us today is Brenda Coulter, and she has amazing things going on. But during the times of the things that she had going on, she struggled with many things as far as interacting with women of color. So, Brenda, hey. Hey, girl, hey. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Hit me with that. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so cute. I love when women say that. I think that's the cutest thing. It's like the national greeting. Hey, yeah, it hey. is. <laughs> So, um, tell me a little bit about your experience dealing with women of color and as far as you have a best friend, which is Caucasian. Um, my tough experiences with black women really started when I was really young. Um, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood, but we kind of had not a lot of money, so I was just a hot mess. I was angry all the time, so, um... We kind of never related well when I was younger. So as I grew older, I kind of gravitated towards the white kids because I grew up while I lived in a black neighborhood. We were bused to a predominantly white school. So even like in elementary school, my best friend was white. When Mm -hmm. I got to middle school, my best friend was white. So that's always kind of been the case. Mm -hmm. And um, it was probably my own personal blockages starting from really young. But then as I grew older and I started to heal from the things of my past, I started to see um, that my relationships with black women were just broken. Like it seemed like there was always either competition or um, some sort of underlying anger even to where it just never really lasted very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm sure there may have been cases before I came to my healing place where maybe I was the cause of it. But even after, once I started to heal, I just, it's just very difficult for me. And I feel like um, having my Caucasian white friend, and she has never been judgmental. We've never had an argument. We've never had an issue. We've disagreed. Mm-hmm. But it's never come to the point where it was like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And I'm like 35 years old, and I have adult black women going, oh, well, I don't think we can be cool anymore. Like, because we disagreed? I don't, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't understand that. So, um... I think that really was the basis of it. It seems mm-hmm. like it's so easy to walk away from a disagreement or an argument mm-hmm. or things being difficult with the black women that I've known and grown to associate with. Right. And for her, that wasn't an issue, and it hasn't been an issue for myself with any of the white friends that I've had. Wow. So what is one of the worst experiences that you've had with women of color? Um... A few of my very best friends slept with my husband. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Wait, you said a few. <clears throat> yes. So your husband slept with more? Oh. Yes. Oh, Jesus. So I, so let me tell you. <laughs> so when I, 
I met my husband. We were kind of all part of the same crew. There were like 12 or 13 of us that we all mm-hmm. hung around. Men, women, um, everybody was black in that crew. <clears throat> and we all hung around. And he was just like an amazing spirit to me. Like he would kind of be off to the side. He really, mm-hmm. so he reminded me of myself. Because I was, again, always a little bit of a loner, kind of sitting off to the side. I could have fun, but mm-hmm. it wasn't rare for you to notice me kind of sitting off in the corner by myself. Right. And um, we started conversing one day because we had never really talked much to one another. And we developed a relationship. And we were together for about five or six years and decided to get married. Wow. And it was like a lifetime movie. The day after we got married, literally the day after we got married, he turned into a totally different person. Like, he started being abusive, and he started, um, he drank excessively, so, well, we both drank excessively, if I'm honest, Mm -hmm. but he would turn into a different person when he drank, a completely different person, which would then make me turn into a different person, so it's a very toxic marriage that ended up being toxic, but it was born from a beautiful relationship, and it wasn't until after um, I finally let go, he was abusive and actually um, broke my jaw once. And it was after that that I said, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. Uh, (laughs) I should probably leave. Mm -hmm. We actually stayed together about a year after that. And then we got um, divorced. And it was after that that I found out that he had slept with several of my friends. Several? Three, to be exact. I mean, (laughs) one is enough. He slept with three of them. One is already a problem, but dang, like several? Yes. So... You guys were together so many years before that, and then I'm still puzzled by him (laughs) changing after us being together for so long and like, okay, we're married now, so I'm going to turn into this individual that you never met before. And that's that was one of the things I would ask him frequently, like, who are you? Like, what was it about me? That's why I was like, (laughs) what, I mean, what created him to change after that did you find yourself changing too um changing for the better so I do think that there were some insecurities that came to play in his life because I mean who are you to be trying to better yourself and this is where we are this is who we are okay because we weren't in a really great place in life to start out and I was slowly and gradually but again all of that was happening during the relationship for him to turn on a dime I mean I cannot, it was literally the day after we got married because we didn't go on a honeymoon or anything like that. The very next day, we, he actually called me out of my name, which oddly enough, now that I'm talking, I'm like, wait a minute, girl, what was going on? But (laughs) it wasn't really rare for him to do that, but it was, there was so much anger in it and it was during an argument. So I'm like, wait a minute, where, where did that come from? You've never expressed that type of anger before. It just it just hit my ear a little bit different than it had ever in the past. So how long did it take him to start these, um, act, like for him to act out like that and start calling you out of your name? We, again, we drank excessively. So it wasn't really rare for us to have those type of altercations, but it was rare for him to have such rage behind it. Like it was clear that this time it was something a little bit different about it. And that was the first time that he actually put his hands on me. So I was like, this is, different than the previous times mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's when I I don't know I actually just tried to make it work I'm like so oh, have you guys now. always drank a lot 
that's basically what our relationship was built on. Like, we oh, just, so we just link up and let's go get some Right, drinks. we just link up and let's drink and let's kick it. Like I said, our whole crew, we would go to, like, one of our houses and we would just drink incessantly all weekend long. <clears throat> I was always a worker, so I would always, you know what I mean, go to work during the week, but on the weekends, it was open season. Okay. So, I mean, that's basically how our crew kicked it. That's how we partied back then. Okay, got you. So, it took him, what, six months, a year? For him to actually just like, okay, I'm putting my hands on her. No, that's what I'm saying. No, that was the day after the, the, oh, the day so after the we got day married. After that's when, married. That was our first physical. Yes, that was our first physical altercation. Jesus. And I'm like, it's too late now. We done already got married. Like it, it, and Aww. it wasn't even a, oh my God, baby, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'll never do it again. And no, it was like, well, shut up next time. Like, so you just end up. After how long were were you guys married? We were married three years, but we were only together one after we got married. So we were together for a whole nother year. We separated and then we got divorced two years later. Wow. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I'm sorry you went through something like that. Oh, it was rough. It was a rough time. So like during a phase, like a lot of women don't get out when it first happened. Right. So, when it continuously happened, what made you continuously stay? Did you think he was going to change? Things would get better? I don't even think I was concerned with that with so much as I was with... Um, I didn't want people to judge me. Yes, I didn't want people wow. to be like... Why did you marry him in the first place? And you, you know what I mean? I just yeah. didn't know. I'm like, did they see something that I didn't see? And of course, true to form, after we got a divorce, people were like, I'm so glad you divorced him, girl. I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever express to anyone that he did that to you? Oh, it was known. It was well known. Everybody knew that that's So no one we tried to encourage you, uplift you, tell you you don't deserve that? I didn't even know that that was a thing. Um, no, that had not happened throughout my whole entire life. That's never been, do you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. never been the way of things. Like from my mother on, the women in my life have always been like, you're going to have to figure that out. So I don't know what that is that you got, but you need to, you know what I mean? So uh-huh. it's like always kind of isolated and feeling a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know. So no, nobody in my life had done that up until that point. Wow. So it's like basically you're battling something on your own and you have to think for yourself. Right. For you do that. And then on top of that, a lot of people walk through life worried about how a next person will feel about your decision you made in your life. And I think a lot of people get confused with that. And you have to understand that it's not about what another person thinks. Mm -hmm. Right. Girl, listen. Get your shit together. <laughs> right. It's this about you. Mm-hmm. It ain't about nobody else. Don't nobody care about all that. But you I think a lot of us women need to start learning about ourselves. Love ourselves more enough to get out of a situation when we know it ain't right. right. All of us got a form of common sense. Yes. We know if if a man hits you, okay, no, that's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, like dang, this don't feel right. I think it's to a point where we need to start feeling love more than anything. However, mm-hmm. do you find yourself, of you being divorced now and everything, have you ever ran into a nice guy? 
Oh, yeah. I've met nice guys. I've met nice guys who weren't necessarily for me, but yeah. I've met some nice guys, so I know more what but that looks like. The keyword you said, <laughs> nice guy, not necessarily for you. Right. So sometimes, as women, sometimes we are we pick and choose who we want. Mm-hmm. And it could be to a point where this man is everything that we want in a man on how they treat us. Mm-hmm. Yet, I'm not attracted to him, or he just not for me, or he corny, he a lame. Yeah, you I know, don't have that kind of issue. Yeah, but, you know, but, <laughs> but some, I do know what some, yes. yeah, I know some a women lot do of that, women. but it's mm-hmm. like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of good men. Mm-hmm. I don't want to discredit no man oh, and not saying he's not a good man. It's a lot of good men out here that will give women the world, yes. but sometimes... When he's too good, they don't want him. they rather take the bad guy. I think I went through a period in my life where that definitely was like, I'm like, no, I need her. I'm like, oh, no, I need me a, you know what I'm saying, a this, that, or the other. Okay. Um, But not, like, in the five years, I took five years to just stay single. That's good. After I left my husband, I actually found myself immediately in another relationship with a guy um, a nice guy who uh-huh. <laughs> was not so bad. I, I still don't think that he was for me, but he was a really nice guy, and it probably could have been something. Mm-hmm. We just really didn't have that kind of chemistry. So Okay. We, well, the chemistry matters, too. Yes, and we yeah. didn't really have it. So when we broke up, I took five years, and I was like, listen, I need to find me. I don't know who I am. Like, I've literally been miserable all my life when you talk about not knowing how to love ourselves. At that point, I didn't even know what love was at all. I had convinced myself that there was no such thing as love. I used to tell people, no such thing as, as love. The best that you can mm-hmm. hope is to be content. That's as good as it gets. Yeah, because sometimes <laughs> if you think about it, I was listening to you. You were saying you've been with this guy for so long and then y'all got married. But it seemed like was more of y'all connections because y'all had a lot of friends together. Like, okay, we got all these friends together. We cool. All right, we drink. We go out, have kicked it. Let's get married. married. That's (laughs) basically what it sounds like. It's like, okay, we already comfortable with each other. We know what it is. We're in the same circle, the same people. Okay, the only thing we can do is get married. Right. But you skipped all of the things on a personal level on how to make you feel. And you probably never noticed who he really was besides doing that. What I've learned since then is I didn't even know what to look for. I didn't even okay. know what I was supposed to be looking for. What you meet a man, he's nice to you. Oh, he's nice to me. Okay, fine. Well, maybe this man is supposed to be my husband. And I thought that I loved him very much. Um, he was a very good friend to me during some very, some very rough times. Mm-hmm. But as we know, you have to decide exactly where people belong in your life. Just yeah. because you have feelings for somebody doesn't mean that you're supposed to be with them or that's supposed to be your husband or anything of that nature. He was supposed to be a good friend, and that's mm-hmm. what he was. And I should not have ever allowed it to become more. Okay. But we were in a relationship, and he was actually the one who was kind of like, well, either we're going to get married or we're going to let it go. Like, you're going to have to marry me. And I'm like, oh. I didn't even know if I wanted to get married. Oh, Lord, Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you, I knew exactly how damaged I was. I just didn't know what to do about it. Right. I'm like, well, and a lot of us don't know what mm-hmm. to do because we don't have that form of guidance. Right. And then sometimes down the line of our family history, other women in our family have done the same thing. Oh, yeah. So we are what we saw. Yes. Growing up. And then we become that. But a lot of them don't know that triggers down 
of generation after generation. It does. And that is kind of why I do what I do. Because like you said, it wasn't just my mom. Like, I'm a PK. My father was a pastor, but he was very... Um, um, and I'm always careful when I talk about my parents. I love them both with my mm-hmm. dear heart. And I know that they did the best that they could. Yeah. But he was very detached. He wasn't around. He, Him and my mom were from, like, totally different worlds. She was, like, the hood chick. He was the pastor. And we kind of conflicted with who mm-hmm. he felt like he was supposed to be. So he was very detached. So when you come from a place that the two people who are supposed to love you above all else in this world, you feel like they don't care about you. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, ain't nobody ever going to care about me. This is not, that's not but what life were, is supposed to be. But they were hurting too. Right. They and, were in a different uh, place too. Yeah, and we don't know <laughs> that until we get older. Mm-hmm. Once we come to our senses. Or some of us will just keep dragging it and dragging it yes. and not realizing it. And then we affect in our own personal lives. Yes. And we just need to snap back and get ourselves together. But it's so hard. And once you learn, like, I never knew that um, you have to question what you think. Like, nothing that you probably think on a regular basis is actually true. We're so indoctrinated with information. People really don't educate us and then allow mm-hmm. us to make our minds up on our own. They just drill us with information and go, believe this, think this, this is what it is. And it was the day that I learned, like... You can question what it is that you're thinking, and not only can you question it, but you can change your thoughts to create better outcomes. The power of yourself. Yes. I'm like, there's so much power inside of us to be able to decide to kind of change change that thought on a dime. Let me figure this out. Yeah. And we, a lot of people go, oh, well, you just want to be positive. Like, no, I just want to be realistic because Mm -hmm. most of the stuff that I'm telling myself that's negative isn't true anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find my realistic voice inside of me. And we got to catch a lot of issues and problems amongst ourselves. Yes. My growth actually come from my girls program. Ooh. That's where I started to grow up at and I started to notice how toxic I was, Mm -hmm. the bad habits I had, just different stuff. I started to notice who I was when I started that program. And as wow. years progressed, I grew up. It was like, I'm helping them, but they're helping me too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, I was really jacked up. Right. You know, I need to get my <laughs> mental together. So it, it made me grow and transform into a better woman. It's oh, like, yeah. and then, you know, they was looking up to me. So I was like, I got these girls looking up to me. I can't contradict myself. I can't <laughs> tell them to do one thing and I'm doing another. Right. So it it really helps. And that's like you in the field of helping others too. Right. So it's like we got to we gotta really mean what we say. Yes, we have to pay <laughs> that and yeah. pay it forward and make it. Like I can't be looking all crazy over here. Yes. <clears throat> and for a while I was hesitant to tell my story because I'm like, I'm a coach. I'm an emotional wellness coach. And I didn't realize there was a word from God one day like yo your testimony is your greatest yes, victory that's what's going to make these women want to talk to you and a lot of people don't understand that instead of being ashamed mm-hmm. and caring what other people think you can help that next woman yes. in so many ways that you can imagine if, if you're helping one woman that's fine all the other 10, 15, or whatever, they may talk bad about you, mm-hmm. but that's their problem. Right. That means they got some issues they still battling. Mm-hmm. So we got to learn people's issues. Right. And and as people, we have to learn our own. That's why, like, the first part of my program, and I've been working with another group about it, is self-awareness. I was reading an article that said that um, 95% of the people in the world believe that they're self-aware, and only 12 to 15% of people actually are. That's if weird. you don't know yourself... 
it's very hard to maintain sensible relational connections, whether it be romantic relationships, friendships, uh, kinships, whatever kind of ships you're going to have. You have to know yourself first because that's how you develop the, the, that mm-hmm. self-love, to know yourself. From knowing the fact that you come from a abusive marriage and then you growing into figuring out who yourself was, do you ever like backtrack like, dang, I come a long way. I was so jacked up, man. I saw <laughs> you be like, dang, what's wrong with you? You know, sometimes we be feeling that way like, oh my God. Yes, absolutely. And I look back, I recently, well, last year I wrote a book and it's really more of a, a how-to manual where I introduce people to the model that I teach. Mm-hmm. But um, there are like little snippets of stories in there about my life and things that I experienced and that was super eye-opening to kind of walk from childhood to mm-hmm. like now. And I was like, girl, Jesus. Like, if nobody believes that there is a God, then you mm-hmm. are definite proof that there yeah, is one. Definitely. I was from childhood like i said on it was really rough like so any with, kind of statistic you can come so up with, with your um <laughs> ex-husband have you seen him since then i did and let me tell you so this is like my this is when i was still growing so it's a real petty moment so i when i first i moved to north carolina for two years that was mm-hmm. part of my seeking myself okay and i came back and the weekend that i came back i saw him in a grocery store he still had on clothes that i had bought him he was still Jesus. using the cell phone that i had bought him Jesus. and like i was all dressed up on my way to a date so i was a little i completely ignored him like he wasn't even standing there but i made sure i was seen and <laughs> so he kind of went back and told a mutual friend of ours like yeah, tell her to hit me up. Like, boy, get. <laughs> Girl, listen. I was like, the I'm audacity. Like, like... That toxic mess. And have... of course, we still have mutual friends. I say that, um, use that term uh, uh, loosely, but we do have mutual friends still. And from what I understand, he's still the same. He's still the same way now as he was before. I mean, of course. You know, sometimes that happens. So, um, what created him to um, break your jaw? Uh, we have been drinking. Mm-hmm. And it was just like an argument. I have a, That was the worst thing he done. Like, I still got, like, plenty of, like, other bruises and, like, things that he did <clears throat> um, during the times where he was most violent. Um, but again, I think part of my issue was that I had came from a place where I used to fight, too. So, I'm like, you ain't just about to, like... Yeah, just gonna beat me up though. Like we are going to like wreck this thing out. So I mean, there were times because of the nature of that relationship mm-hmm. where I felt like if you can hit me when I say something you don't like, then I can hit you when you say something that I don't oh, like. So, y'all so I mean, each other. right? So it was okay. that. I mean, it. He was a man, so you know what I mean. So yeah, I probably should have sat my butt like, down like, somewhere and walked woman away. Woman ain't supposed to be hitting no man. Exactly either. right. So you need to sit <laughs> right. It was a mess. Like that was by far. But I learned more in that relationship than I ever like. I understand now the reason for it. Mm-hmm. I learned so many things in that relationship about myself. Right. Like it wasn't. It be. It came to a point where it wasn't even about him. And I quit asking those questions. Like, why did you feel the need to start hitting on me the way that you did? Why did you need to do this? Why did you need to do that? And I started asking myself, like, why did you allow him to do that? Why were you comfortable in that situation? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you walk away? And not in an accusatory or judgmental type of way, but just to get curious about myself and figure out what exactly I needed to make changes about. Okay. 
So from you experiencing that, let's just play back onto your childhood. How was your childhood? My childhood was not great. Um, I wouldn't say it was awful. I definitely know people with worse childhoods. I would definitely preface it with that. Uh, but like I said, my father was pretty detached. I had his mother in my life though, who's like my guardian angel now. She was, mm-hmm. and what that was my, um, that was my release. I would get away to go to her house. Okay. Because we lived um, West Akron. It was not a unknown thing for us to have like uh, our house shot up. My mom dated nothing but drug dealers. And they were not, like, nickel and dime street hustling drug dealers. They were very, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. big-time known drug dealers around the city. Mm -hmm. Um, So our house used to get shot up all the time, and it was just um, toxic in that sense. And also, again, me and my mom are very close right now, so it's usually Mm -hmm. a little bit tough for me to talk about this stuff because I don't want her to think that I'm saying anything negative against her. But she just didn't like me for whatever reason. And I don't, well, she used to tell me that she didn't like me. I don't believe that she did, and I believe she had her own she stuff going on inside. Yeah. Right. Um, but it was she always favored my brother and my sister. So while she was dating these drug dealers, there were times to where, like I said, there were the drive-by shootings, and there was all of that stuff, and then we would have, like, all of this money, but it was never, I was never seeing the fruits of that. Like, I was going to school and, like, broke down shoes, and she wasn't buying me clothes, and she wasn't doing that kind of stuff, but she was, like, dressing my brother and my sister up. Mm-hmm. for whatever reason that was. And then uh, there came a point to where she did stop dating those guys. So when she stopped dating those guys, we kind of, it became like a poverty situation. We no longer had this money that didn't really make me a difference anyway because she wasn't dressing me like we did. But mm-hmm. then she kind of started going out more and being out. So I had to raise my brother and my sister. And there would be times where there wasn't any food in the house. Like we didn't have anything to eat in the house. So I'm scrudging stuff together trying to figure out what are we going to eat how are we going to eat and I had this guy this boy cousin he's like I call call him my brother (laughs) because um he was like an only child and he could have he could have went home and ate he could have did whatever he wanted to do but he actually started selling drugs to be able to feed us so he had a perfectly good home uh, life at home and he could have went home and been like, hey, I'll be over on the weekend and I'll bring some sandwiches when I come. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to be with us and me and him were just really close and he started selling drugs and he started taking care of us. So when we did eat, it was because he bought food. So where was your dad? Uh, like I said, we kind of conflicted with his image. Okay. Uh, he was pretty popular, like, around the city. He's, he's since passed away, but he was pretty popular around the city. And again, I don't know if this is the reason that he was so standoffish. I, this is the, you know what I'm saying, this is the young girl inside me talking because I can't mm-hmm. think of any other reason why. But he he was never really involved. And I don't know what, what it was between him and my mother. Um, mm-hmm. But there was always clearly something there that made him uncomfortable. So he was never around. I don't even know if the day that he died, he knew everything that I went through. Wow. That I feel, that's, that's terrible. So with your mom doing that, have you ever asked your mom, why did she do what she did? No, my mommy's an ostrich. Like, she don't, like, after she came to her awakening and she kind of became a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny. Like, me and my sisters, we talk about how she'll say, say stuff like, girl, because, yeah, I ain't never let y'all eat candy. And we like, girl, you don't know what we ate. Like, you were not there. We, you, were not there. you don't know mm-hmm. what we But so she created a whole other persona of what? 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Childhood was for her. And after, and before we got close, I kind of would always want to butt heads. That didn't happen. That's not what happened. No, it didn't. Mm-hmm. And it just created friction between us. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I was like, you know what? That doesn't even matter anymore. And I'm not about to start Let's going. Right. We're just going to move forward. So we've never talked about it. And I don't even need to anymore. Like, I don't, I don't really need to know why anymore. with that. She's like one of my closest friends. It's like my spiritual advisor. Because when she had her awakening, I don't know what happened, but she literally became a new person. Mm-hmm. And that, I'll be like, I don't know. It's just sometimes parents really don't tell us too much. Right. And they just leave it alone. But I think sometimes hearing a parent's testimony mm-hmm. after you become so grown mm-hmm. and mentally grown and can handle what they tell you, I think it's, it'll be great for a parent to actually share their life right. with you in so many ways so it is it can motivate you and help you understand them more because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't know the things that our parents went through during their childhood and right when they become adults and all these different things we, we just don't know until right. y'all tell us <laughs> like dang i've made it my business to be very open with my children i have some people who are like you tell your kids too much like you need to and i'm like my kids know everything I've endured, everything that I've been through, and we still talk about it. Sometimes they have questions, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? But they know they know everything about me. That's because good. I'm like, A, if I'm going to be doing this, I don't want anybody else to be able to come back and tell them anything right. about their mom that they don't know. And I want them to know that if they have questions, they can ask it. Like, right. um, I got pregnant at 15, or I got pregnant at 14. I had my first son at 15. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have to explain to your children, like, why you have your mom? What happened? You know what I mean? So to be able to explain that to them was very important to me. A, so they wouldn't make the same mistake. Mm-hmm. And so that if anything happened in their lives that could lead to something like that, they would feel comfortable opening up to me about it. So, so. what led you to start being sexually active at a young age and then you end up becoming pregnant? Um, When I was very young, I was molested on a fairly regular basis by a mm-hmm. close family member. That's something that not a lot of people know, and nobody knows who it is. But also, when I was 11, I got raped at a friend of mine's house. And this is such a crazy story, but um, I was at my friend's house, and her older sister was dating my uncle. And my uncle was a bit of a stalker. So apparently, he was looking through the window trying to see what she was doing and watched this happen. Instead of coming in, breaking in, and saying something to me, instead of saying something to the guy, I was 11 at the time, he went and told my mom. Mm -hmm. So when I got to my mom, she was like, "Um, this is what you get, your little fast ass running around here, and you, like, nobody ever asked me what happened. What happened? And I was like, even if I would have heard my 11-year-old daughter was, quote-unquote, voluntarily having sex, there would still be a conversation that needed to happen. What was that that you were doing? Where did you get it from? She just went way left and kind of basically called me a rat even though that wasn't a word back then Mm -hmm. but she just kind of went off and in that moment something snapped and I never I didn't tell my mom until I was 18 what really happened um in that moment so the moment that your uncle had saw a man on you he was raping you yes and they just went all the way left just thinking you have a sexual intercourse yes at 11 at 11 yes okay so um from that point on, it became kind of, well, people think I'm doing it anyway, and if they're going to give me money, and if, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it became 
that was my form of fitting in. That was my form of, so I became very promiscuous. Like at, at not at 11, after that point in time, I would say from, no, probably about 12, that very next year, I just became promiscuous because I, I didn't know that there was a such thing as saying no. So I how thought did of, you feel after that moment of that man raping you like that? Because you, you said you became a different young lady at 12. So during your whole year of you being 11 years old, what was your experience? What was your mindset like? I was completely depressed. I was, you know what I'm saying? I, I kind of spent time away from my friends. I wasn't hanging out as much. I just felt dirty. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, I felt dirty. Like I couldn't get clean. I spent a lot of time in the bathroom, a lot of time in the bathtub, a lot of time just trying to, to to wash the dirt off. I'm like, I feel so dirty. Like this is horrible. And I think that this change when I turned, um, when I did turn 12 and I, I got tired of feeling that way. And I'm like, I have to figure out how to feel better. So that became a way to feel better. It became willing because I'm like, if they gonna take it anyway, if I say no, then I might as well just go ahead and give it up and get whatever I can get from it. Mm -hmm. That was my mindset at that age. And, um, I was just transformed. Like from that moment on, I was just, and, and even now, like I've gone to therapy, I've like done all of that kind of stuff. I have problems with my memory. Like, my memory some stuff I can't remember, mm-hmm. so I have to write things down. And during therapy, I learned that she was like, you have conditioned your brain to forget so much that now your brain doesn't know what to remember and what to forget. Wow. So you have to be very careful about not remembering certain things and how you remember certain things and what you remember about certain things because basically you've taught your brain to trick your thoughts. Yeah, and you taught that during that moment at that time because, okay, my uncle saw it. Mm-hmm. He thought I was just actually having sex. And then he tells my mom. And then my mom react this way. It's like, who else do you go to? Right. These are the two main important people in your life that's supposed to protect you. Mm-hmm. And then the thought process is that. So you already tra- trained yourself right. to be have that mindset. So once you hit 12 years old, that's when you started having sex with boys. Mm-hmm. So when did your molestation come in at? The molestation was before the rape. Oh, so, so the molestation, I was okay. probably like six or seven, probably six or seven when okay. my family member was doing that. Okay. And that wasn't any, uh, not to justify it, of course, but that okay. wasn't, there was no intercourse. Like there was like the oh, inappropriate touching, touching okay. and like pulling my pants out and like doing all of that kind okay. of things. And he was, um, he wasn't an adult. He was like a teen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was like a teenager. So if he's young and he's experiencing that. Right. Someone's been doing that with him. Right. And I've even talked about this in other settings and people are like, how are you? And even when I was 11, that guy, he wasn't an adult. He's probably like 16 or 17 or something like that. So I'm like, I don't know. Of course, 16 or 17 is a little bit older enough to know better. But I'm like, I don't know what his experience was. Someone may have, you know, came on to him because women molest children too. Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. at a young age. So they think it's okay. So, during all these times of you just going through all that, um, what you end up meeting a, a boy and y'all was boyfriend and girlfriend and you got pregnant at a young age? Um, this, I did meet a boy. I don't think I was ever like, <laughs> this sounds so horrible. I can't believe how young I was, but I don't think we were ever really boyfriend and girlfriend. We kind of just hung out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he became like the one person who, I mean, I know I liked him. Yeah. And we would have sex, and I, I ended up being pregnant by him. 
And my mom was basically like, okay, so you can have an abortion or you can get out. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not getting an abortion, so I'm going to leave. Wow. Um, and when I left, I actually have an older sister who was adopted. Mm-hmm. So her and I got a place together. And my mom sent my brother and sister to live with us. And <clears throat> once and I you st- was how old? 16. So you got to So your brother and sister, you and your other oldest adopted sister, y'all all staying together. Yes. Jesus. And, and like I said, we were, my older sister is like one of my best friends. Like she mm-hmm. just, you know what I'm saying? We were so close at the time, but she right. had her own children. So she had her own yeah. life. So eventually she was like, listen, boo, you gonna have to go. As soon as I turn 18, she was like, baby, you got to go sign up for MHA or something. Yeah, I mean, to... she went on, so that's, that's normal. You know right. what I'm saying? My cousin's probably that too. <laughs> you know, all these kids up in here and all that. Like, but it's just the fact that you had to leave your mother's home and then she seen your siblings with y'all. And I, I mean, there were, time, there were times because, of course, we were really not old enough to function in this world on our own. So, I mean, yeah. there were times we would go back to my mom's house for a okay. few months and then, okay, you know what I'm saying? Cool, it was, cool. You know what I mean? But for the most <laughs> yeah, part, we, lived, still, we just found different you know, places. So, um, what about the father? Did you did you tell him you were pregnant at that time? So what what was his reaction? He's young too, right? So. He's always been useless. He's a nice person though, Jesus. but he's always been useless. Jesus, he cool though. <laughs> so it was so once I did move out, it was me, my son, and my brother and sister. It was like I got three kids at eighteen. Yeah, turned around and got pregnant again at nineteen. Did you? Yes. I mean. How did that father end up turning out to be? He was actually good. He was he, he was a good guy. I had okay. I ended up having two daughters with him, and we, like, lived together. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We stayed together. He wasn't perfect, of course. He was a cheater and all that good stuff. But, I mean, he's a he's always been an active father. That's all that's all So that's all that matters. Yes. Right. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Very father. active. And um, so him and my girls are good. So Okay. That's, that's good. That's good. So you guys never thought about marriage or anything when y'all was together? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, but due to him being out there, yeah, cheating and that just never really panned out. Got you. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as you growing, you have your daughter, your two daughters, your mm-hmm. son, and everything. What do your, I mean, what was your life goals? What were your plans? I did not have any at that point. I was so. Broken is the only mm-hmm. word that I like. I was literally just muddling through life. By that time, I had spent, I had, had a couple stints in a mental institution. I had, you know, them seventy-two hour holds where you yeah. might not know, but <laughs> been on, yeah. on those a couple of times. Ended up being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Wow. Um, so they had me like on all kinds of medication and all kinds of stuff. And it was my girl's dad who was like, listen, you have to stop taking this stuff because you're like a zombie walking around here. Mm-hmm. We have to figure out exactly what it is that's wrong with you and figure out a way to, you know what I'm saying, to do this without any meds. Cause these it's are your daughters? You. Yeah, my daughter's dad. But they are um, no, well, they're, they're dad. They were too young. They were so young. I was okay. still 19 at the time. 19 oh, okay. or 20. Your daughter's dad. So he was like, um, we have to figure out exactly what's going on because you can't keep living like this. Like, I was just muddling through. I was not okay at all. I mean, you had a lot of trauma in your life. Right. And this is what people go through on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. when 
a lot of people is not there to tell them what direction to go to. Right. They know it's survival. That's the word. Surviving. I was lost. I didn't know what direction. It's like, okay, I got to keep pushing. I got to keep going, but I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going. So a lot of people don't know Mm -hmm. therapy is there. Right. You know, (laughs) like go. Then like therapy is there, Mm -hmm. but if you don't have the love surrounding you on an everyday basis when you want to see a therapist mm-hmm. just once a week or once a month right. or however you can afford it. Oh, I was and all that. I was agoraphobic for about a year and a half. Like I could not physically walk out of my house. It created too much panic, too much anxiety, too much I can't do this. So I was very isolated. And even now I'm a little more introverted. It's a little mm-hmm. in, in a healthy way. But back then, I literally could not walk out of the house. It would cause panic attacks. It would create issues. So I spent times where before grocery delivery was a thing, thank God for like these little close-knit communities because we had like a corner store on the corner. And he would come and bring me my groceries and like take my food stamp card. Like I'm going to just take off with you for the groceries and bring it back. So he was so... So you were just a straight shell. Oh, I was a shell of a person. How long were you like this? Probably about two years. Wow. And then one day I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> and I decided to go get my GED. Okay. And I was like, because I, of course, well, not of course, I know plenty of people who have kids and finish high school, but mm-hmm. I had found out that um, my mom was offered daycare and chose not to take it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I never finished high school. And I was okay. like a straight A student. I was a really good student <clears throat> as far as grades and things. Right. Because you meant, well, you didn't mention on air, but you mentioned to me that you went to a good school mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so I uh, went and got my GED. And from there, I just knew I had to do better. I was like, I, I can't keep living like this. So I really didn't have a direction at all. I just knew that anything was better than what I was doing then. Mm-hmm. So I went and got my GED. I started at the University of Akron. Okay. I ended up getting a journalism degree that I've never done anything with, but I went. And I, like, worked and went to school, and it was not a big deal to see me and my kids, like, two kids in a stroller, one kid walking. Like, I just became, I started to live. You know what I mean? That's what like, I was saying. Like, you wanted better for yourself. Oh, yeah. You I know? didn't know what better was, and I didn't know what it looked like. But I'm like, this is not it. Like, this can't be life. And I remember I was in the, um, after I had, I had attempted suicide a couple of times, which was what resulted in the stays in the um, institutions. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kept saying, like, I'm just tired. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm too young to be this tired. And the therapist said, in all of this time, you keep saying that you're tired. I haven't heard you say one time that you want to die. And I said, I said, I don't want to be here anymore. And she was like, so do you not want to live or do you just not want to live like this? anymore oh, and I was I just started crying like I can't live like this no yeah, more but, start saying it the right way. That's but that was the really? chain that broke yeah. like that was the chain I'm like she is right like I yeah. don't want to die like who gonna like, take care okay, of my kids mm-hmm. yeah seriously I tell my kids all the time like y'all are the reason that I'm still here because that's yeah. what my mindset went to who's gonna take care of my kids I didn't want to leave them with my mom at that time she yeah. was still struggling with whatever she was struggling with and I was like I'm not going to leave them with my mom. Mm-hmm. So I have to figure out exactly how to make this work for them. Wow. So I still want to have another kid, but. <laughs> Lord Jesus. 
<laughs> when I was 24 in the midst of all of this going to school. But um, I Did just. Did you have kids with your husband? No. You didn't? Okay. okay. And I thank God for that every day. Jesus. I do. <laughs> but in a good way. But no. Because I'm like, could you imagine like having to be in contact with him it like was I was still. so traumatized by him yeah, I was that's like, what I'm saying mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. like you already dealt with so much trauma starting at a young age mm-hmm. coming from in so many directions listen and I mean like <laughs> the community direction the family direction the friend direct it's like everything it's like okay so where else am I gonna go right I tell people all the time name a statistic I was that. <laughs> Name another one. I was that. Like it, yeah. So it, it was. It's, too much. I mean, it's a lot. It, mm-hmm. it really is a lot. So who who is Brenda today? Oh, Brenda is. I'm probably one of the most happy and goofy people that I know today. Um, I don't know. I just feel good about everything about life and where my life is going right now. Mm-hmm. So most people, I just like author, motivational teacher, because I don't like saying motivational speaker, because I want people to walk away with new information to learn stuff right. that they can Teach apply to their it. lives every yes. day. Um, and just life and business coach. I just want to teach people that there is a way to overcome through simply just changing your mindset. Like everything that you need to overcome anything that you've been through is already down inside you. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so cliche, you hear people say that, but like I'm gonna show you that you can do it. So my my motto is that pain only lasts so long before it Mm -hmm. manifests into magnificence. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So I'm like, let's manifest your pain. Let's take your pain and manifest it into magnificence because it's there for a reason. So I find my pleasure in just kind of walking people through that process and to watch their brains change slowly but surely. That's good. (laughs) I think what is very inspiring about this is the fact that a lot of people will want to help people that never been through nothing Mm -hmm. in a sense. But at the same time, people need to realize a lot of people been through things, but just not exactly what you've been through. Mm -hmm. But the way... You are speaking life into people. You could speak at all directions, right? Of so many things to a point where you you are that hope. You are that inspiring message for a woman. Like, okay, I've been through this, 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 and that with you, but I haven't been through that. However, if you got through all of this, I know it's a possibility for me. Mm-hmm. So you giving women a possibility, and that is very good. I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I still like blush a little bit when people say that. Like, I no, don't know what seriously, to say, no, because it that. takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of things as far as getting through pain. Pain carries, and Listen. pain is like you walking with a humpback. Yes. Like, it, it'll keep you all the way down, but a lot of people don't know during that pain, you hurting people around you, too, and they swear up and down everything they do and say is right. Right. And you're the wrong person. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, after so long, if everybody is saying the same thing about you, you got to start analyzing that. That like right where, there. Yeah, like, what, what am I doing wrong? What am I going to change yes. about me to make everyone else feel comfortable around me? And that's what's so uncomfortable. Like I said, like at one point in my book, I said it's very difficult when you have to look in the mirror and realize that you don't like what's looking back at you. Like 
you are the problem. You're staring at the thing that's the reason for everything mm-hmm. that's wrong in your life, and you have to take accountability for that. Yes. But not in a bad way. That's why my whole big thing is I'm yeah. always like, be curious. Don't be judgmental. Stop judging yourself. There's enough people in this mm-hmm. world who are going to judge you. Please believe. Oh, yeah. But then just then be that's curious. That, but that's their personal exactly. problem. Exactly. Or something they got to get through, and it ain't got nothing to do with you. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you, and that's how I be feeling when people be... Um, um, feeling some kind of way about things, having these attitudes, mood swings, and all that. I'm like, shit, that ain't my problem. That's yours. Right. It's just, it, you have to, I've reached the part of my life where another person's issues, I'm not letting them be mine. Right. And, and that, I'm not letting it define me at all. <clears throat> I think that was tough for me for so long because it was like, I wanted to go, hey, y'all, look, guess what? I changed. Look at me. Mm-hmm. I changed. I'm not that person anymore. Y'all, look. Yeah, and but- I'm like, yeah, that don't matter. Like, yeah, I don't care. Like, like, who gives a damn? <laughs> right? Like, like it's just care. like, it'd be to the point, like, let your actions speak louder. Yes. And that, and that's and that's just where I'm at. It's just like, every day I'm happy that I'm walking in my bath. Yes. And, and it's beautiful. It's a great feeling. It's, it's, it's very the best feeling. peaceful. It's very peaceful when you just, you check yourself. Yes. Yeah, I check myself a lot. I was about to say probably daily, but I have to check in with myself, mm-hmm. like and figure out, okay, what was that? Even if I now I'm to the point to where if I have a fleeting feeling that I'm not comfortable with, like, ooh, that was a little judgmental. Where mm-hmm. did that come from? Yeah. I go inside myself, like, why are you judging her for that? And usually, almost every time, there's a little piece yeah. of meat inside that reminds me of whatever it is yeah. that I'm judging and you, it. And people. you gotta be careful, even when you're having conversations with people. Like, someone can say of a, a bad experience they had with someone, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean feed into their bad experience and say bad things, too. Ooh, right. Mm-hmm. So, what you do is transition it into something positive and you move on. Yes. Be like, okay, they did that. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that's on them. All right. Let's talk about this. You right. know, you could transform a conversation into something so positive in so many ways and not creating it to be so negative just transform that person's mind real smooth but to even go back to that now that i think about it kind of going back to the beginning i'm not even sure if the issue that i have with black women have been with black women in general it's this circle of black women who like you said they everybody has something to say about somebody and when i'm the one who's sitting there kind of going I don't, I don't know her well enough to say anything. And they're like, but don't you think? And I'm like, I really don't know her well enough to have yeah, anything to say. And then they like, she acting funny. Like, why yeah, do you? but it's it not you that. acting funny, but you can't say nothing. But even if you do know that woman, it's still even if place. you see that that woman, it still don't have nothing to do with you. Plus, my mind is different. I'm trying to figure out how I can help her. I usually look exactly. at people now, even in their anger and frustration. Like I was telling you kind of before we even got started, when I was like, what am I going to do about this? How can I do it? And God was like, you have all of the tools to help. All of these women who you're talking about have attitudes or you're struggling with relationships with. You know why they have relationship issues. Mm-hmm. You know why they are struggling. Help them. Go mm-hmm. help them. And show them what you did to be able to overcome that. And that's yes. what, when I see something broken inside somebody, and whether that manifests in anger or whatever, I always want to go, geez, I wonder where she hurting at. Like, mm-hmm. how can I help her with that? So, speaking of broken women, this is kind of awesome the topic though because I've seen something and I've been seeing a lot lately I don't know have you seen that Tyler Perry movie I did did you see it okay so you see what's the name of it 
something with grace. Falling from and grace. Falling from grace. Okay. So I've been seeing a lot of posts of everyone is upset that Tyler Perry always make these movies about black women. Mm-hmm. They're angry. They're single moms. They doing this. They doing that. You know, just going back and forth with different things. Mm-hmm. I, I got mixed feelings about it. I got mixed feelings about it because it's a lot of black women do act like that. Right. You know, it's a lot of them that do act like that. And I feel like in a form of Tyler Perry, he's probably seen so many women growing up. Mm-hmm. And it could be his auntie, his grandmother, mm-hmm. his mother, his friend's mother and all that. He, I'm sure somewhere in his life for him to come up with all this, he's seen a pattern of black women doing that. And he may be trying to bring awareness to women like, okay, this is a pattern. Well, that is, I actually watched an interview with him speaking about it. Did and you? they asked him this question, and that's exactly what it is. He said, I've seen, he was raised by his aunties and his mom, and he was like, when you see a woman in my movie, you are seeing a direct depiction of wow. what I saw growing up. I'm going to have to watch that. I'll, I'll send it to you. It was so good, and it was such a beautiful interview, and I saw somebody post it, and I, I commented with the video, and I mm-hmm. said, if you watch this, you still might not like his movies because yeah, you're allowed, but, but you'll understand that- are going through it they're gonna feel some kind of way and that's what I'm saying like he's not making that movie for you like yeah. we learned about in business like everybody is not your target audience it's fine y'all don't like the movie it's yeah. not for y'all it's for but the it's people some, who it's some it. of them like they can reflect on that like dang this is me right you know it's not it's not for everybody but at the same time that shows the anger in a lot of people to a point where okay this may not relate to you you may not like it but it's another woman that could relate to that, and he's helping that one woman. Right, but most people definitely do not think in that. Yeah, they light. don't have they that don't mindset, that. and it's and it's mainly our black community is the main ones that's having judgmental issues with it. Very a much lot. so. And I and I and then you know I, I like it a lot that he does do that. I would like to see mm-hmm. more happiness in women, more successful yes. in women, more of. Um, together marriages, even though marriages, everybody have problems in a marriage, but right. to a point where they could break through those problems and still create happiness right. and still do this. I would like to see more movies like that. Me too. But the things that he do come up with, it's a reality check. But the thing is, we don't go see those movies. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like we, we don't. <laughs> we don't. We do. We do like stuff that just hit, and that's just like music. You oh, know, right. we like that ratchet music right. and all that. And I'm sure some artists would like to, you know, mm-hmm. rap about positive stuff, but a lot of people just don't want to hear it. Not only that, but I talk about when people were talking about this movie specifically, and I saw somebody post. He said, well, "I'm starting to feel like he just hates black men or something like that," and I'm like. We see movies all of the time to where we are not depicted. We've been watching Lifetime movies for years where men oh, have been yeah. beating their women and setting them on fire and doing them. Yeah. But we never said that those writers didn't like white men. No, but it's, <laughs> I think it's like black people have issues with black people. Yes. Um, that's what it boils down to because it's mainly that's what we hear mm-hmm. basically talking about it. And I think it's wrong it in is. a lot of ways. I just feel like just support. And, and research, like, do the work. I'm Right now, I'm mm-hmm. reading uh, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, and it's a book. It was written by a black uh, doctor, uh, female. She's a, a psychiatrist. 
and she's basically talking about that this this very concept and how all of this is kind of like how we express our post our post traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. and it's so eye opening to understand that we really have to make a conscious effort mm-hmm. you have to make it your business to change the way that you are thinking and to check yourself when you when you are about to post this thing about Tyler Perry think about what is it really in you that's triggering this mm-hmm. because at the end of the day if you don't want to see see the movie just don't See the yeah, movie. <laughs> and, and make you feel that way, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. So, without all of the extra stuff <laughs> and everything, when it comes down to it, you uplifting and inspiring women, what is the name of your company? Her Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. And the her is an acronym for her, um, <laughs> Harmonious, Enchanted, and Remarkable. Nice. And it came about because I had a guy friend who used to call me crazy all the time. And he would be like, you're just so crazy. The stuff that you think is just so crazy. And I'm like, no, you just don't understand it because you're not a woman. I would talk to women and they got it. And I'm like, y'all just don't understand the mind of a woman. So it's her beautiful yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really, I like, I like that though. I like it. Thank you. So how can women get in touch with you and be involved in, with, in your um, program? Oh, gosh. So you can find Her Beautiful Mind on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's Her Beautiful Mind 220 if you're doing the at, and that'll pull it up on Instagram. Okay. Um, and you just send me a message. My email address is Brenda at HerBeautifulMind220.com. Okay. Um, and that's it. I'm oh. always trying to make myself available. Mm-hmm. I respond to all kinds of messages all the time. So don't ever feel like you can't hit me up because you can. Right. Okay. <laughs> so what is a message that you could give to women? Um, explore your own awareness of yourself. Most of us do not know that we are not self-aware. And that self-awareness is going to be the key that opens the door to the real you and to help you heal from anything that you might be going through. So just explore deeper inside yourself so that you can love yourself, so that you can show up better in the world. Yes, I love that. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you for coming out, Brenda. I really, really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. (laughs) Yes, I loved it. I'm going to have to bring you back, too. I'm down. (laughs) So we can talk about stuff other than my past. Oh, yeah, girls. Uplift, honey. Folks need to hear it. They do. Because we we all ain't who we are. Listen, I'm not. What people portray us to be. Like, it's the deeper me. For sure. See. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so y'all, thank you, y'all. Um tuning in to Life Her Podcast where we help women heal all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Life Her Podcast. And also go check out our website. You can hear our latest episodes and you can purchase merchandise on lifeherpodcast.com. I am Yvette Lloyd and I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Life Her Podcast, and check out our YouTube page as well. And make sure you subscribe. You can also look onto our website, and you can purchase merchandise and listen to the podcast episodes. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Take care of yourself and others you love dearly.